the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. Well, last week we started Hebrews chapter 10, and I went through the first 10 verses, and I told you that in Hebrews chapter 10, most preachers and teachers will take that first section, 1 through 18, but I couldn't do it. I tried, but I couldn't do it. It just wouldn't happen. God wouldn't let it. And today you're going to see why, because there is such a wealth in these last eight verses that we're going to do today, and you're going to enjoy it. I'm going to start by us reading the text, and if you'll stand with me, we'll begin there. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 10 through 18. And in accordance with this will of God, we who believe in the message of salvation have been sanctified. That is, set apart as holy for God and His purposes through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, once for all. Every priest stands at his altar of service, ministering daily, offering the same sacrifices over and over, which are never able to strip away sins that envelop and cover us. Whereas Christ, having offered the one sacrifice, the all-sufficient sacrifice of himself for sins for all time, sat down, signifying the completion of atonement for sin, at the right hand of, the, of God, the position of honor, waiting for that time onward until his enemies are made a footstool for his feet. For by the one offering he has perfected forever and completely cleansed those who are being sanctified, bringing each believer to spiritual completion and maturity. And the Holy Spirit adds his testimony to us in confirmation of this. For having said, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, says the Lord. I will imprint my laws upon their heart, and on their mind I will inscribe them, producing an inward change. Then he says, And their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more, no longer holding their sins against them. Now where there is absolute forgiveness, 
and complete cancellation of the penalty of these things, there is no longer any offering to be made to atone for sin. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Now we have a new relationship with God, a new approach to God, and there is a new worship and a new service. There is a new sanctuary. There is a new order of devotion. There is a new relationship between a man and God. And that new covenant is found in Jesus Christ. The old dispensation is passed away. The laws and rituals and ceremonies of the outward tabernacle, the earthly sanctuary, are all passed away. In Christ we have a new and living approach to the living God. And this is the way of faith. The author writes, For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. That's in Hebrews 10.4. In these sacrifices there is a remembrance of sin every year, Hebrews 10.3. It had to be repeated because it was ineffective. It didn't work. For it is impossible, he says, for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Then the author comes to the end of the argument that in the blood of Christ, through the eternal spirit, offered himself to God. And we have a purged conscience. We have forgiveness of sin. We now rise from the dead works to serve a living God. Now what the author refers to here is that sacrifice of Christ. A body, he says, that you have prepared. This is Christ speaking to the Father. A body you have prepared for me to do your will, O God. That's Hebrews 10, 5 and 7. In the sacrifice of Christ, through the eternal spirit, offered himself to God. Hebrews nine fourteen. We have atonement for our sin. What Christ did was the elective choice and purpose of God. That's in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 10 through 12. When our Lord was incarnate, even in his shame and in his suffering, he was still the everlasting Son. When they nailed him to the tree, he was still the Lord of glory. And when he suffered and died, he was still the eternal Prince of heaven. It was by the eternal spirit, it was by the elective purpose and choice of God that the Savior was nailed to the cross. And in that cross, we have forgiveness, the redemption of our souls, according to his riches, the riches of his grace, which is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. However sin may have abounded, the love and grace of God in Christ Jesus did much more. It much more overflowed. As ocean-like as the sins of humanity are, they are not to be compared to the eternal mercy and grace of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's in Romans chapter 5 verse 20. Who through the eternal spirit offered himself unto God that we might be raised from the dead works to serve the living God. But when God willed for us to be saved... That will was authenticated and validated by the Son of God. He is the mediator of a New Testament. In his death, the covenant is sealed forever, and our inheritance is a gift. We don't win it by obedience or by doing good, 
but we receive it as a gift from God, as you would receive an inheritance. It says, as long as the one who made the will lives, the will is not valid. But when he dies, the will is sealed forever. So it is with the death of Christ in God's eternal purpose. And we will have an inheritance as a gift from God. That moves us right in to verse 10. Look at verse 10. And in accordance, this will of God, we who believe in the message of salvation have been sanctified. That is, set apart as holy for God and his purpose. Through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, once for all. In accordance with the will of God. In other words, it was by God's will that you are now sanctified. You have been sanctified. That Greek word we went over it before, hagiadzo. It is perfect tense, signifying a past action that has an ongoing result. It, it shows in the strongest way the permanent, continual state of salvation in which the believer exists. It means separated from the profane and dedicated unto God, set apart as holy unto God. And you didn't set yourself apart, did you? He set you apart. You didn't make yourself holy, nor do you maintain holiness. He does that and did that. This is the work of God through Christ. It is the will of God. It is the truth of you that you can only know by faith. In contrast to the innumerable Old Testament sacrifices, the one offering of Christ gave believers perfect standing before God for all time. Because of Christ's obedience to the will of the Father concerning us, we are sanctified. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 3 tells us that it is the will of God that you be sanctified, separated apart from sin. We stand before God sanctified by the will of God who is so desirous of our presence that he sent and sacrificed the most precious thing he had, his own son, that we might be set apart for him, that we might be literally placed in his presence. That was his desire. That was his will to make you holy so that you could be before him, not just for a moment, not just to to please him for an instant, but literally for all of eternity. Now, the enemy wants to convince you that you have this ebb and flow in your relationship with God, that God is really happy to have you in some days and other days. You know, he'd just soon you go on with your bad self, right? But that's not God. That's not the truth. He literally moved heaven and earth to present you as holy and sanctified before him. Let's look at verse 11. Every priest stands at his altar of service, ministering daily, offering the same sacrifices over and over, which are never able to strip away sins that envelop and cover us. Now here again, there is a contrast between the work of man and the work of God. A contrast between the works of the law and the work of Christ. In verses 1 through 10, the author pointed out that animal sacrifices that the priest offered, even though they were ordained by God, they were not what God desired. 
Hebrews 10, 3 and 4, it tells us, But as it is, these continual sacrifices bring a fresh reminder of sin to be atoned for year after year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. Year after year, you get a sense of the futility of it. And while we may not identify individually with that practice, how many of us, in our own mistaken understanding of what grace was, in our own mistaken misunderstanding of what forgiveness means, have come before God and pleaded for forgiveness for a besetting sin that seems to keep coming back, and and we get before Him and we feel overwhelmed, and we ask again and again and again for forgiveness, and it never seems to change anything. It's seemingly futile. How many times have you been in that position? Well, I know y'all are all saints, but I can attest to having that same issue. But because of his atoning work, because he allowed me to come into a full understanding of what forgiveness really was, I no longer have to go before him and beg again and again and again that he forgive me. Now, the measure of maturity for me is to be able to say, Thank you, Father, that that sin is not for me. That that activity does not suit me. That I can turn my back on it and resume walking in truth. You know how long that takes? In an instant. You know why? Because forgiveness for the child of God is a done deal. It doesn't require penitence. What it requires is repentance. (laughs) Does that make sense? No animal sacrifice would work. And another evidence he offers of this finished work is the fact that the Levitical priest could never sit down. Year after year, decade after decade, century after century, they offered the Levitical sacrifices. They offered sacrifices all day long. Trespass offerings, peace offerings, burnt offerings, it went on and on. And there were no chairs in the temple because there was never any time to sit, nor should they. The work was unending. Whereas Christ, in verse 12, having offered the one sacrifice, the all-sufficient sacrifice of himself for sins for all time, sat down, signifying the completion of atonement for sin. At the right hand of God, the position of honor. Verse 12 starts with whereas, a contrast being pointed out. Christ offered the one for the many, the one sacrifice for the sins of all time. His sacrifice removed sin and atoned for sin. Their sacrifices could only cover sinful behavior, but it could never remove sin. They must stand. He sat down in the Holy of Holies upon the mercy seat at the right hand of the majesty on high. The priest entered the Holy of Holies once a year, and Christ is now the high priest upon his throne presiding over the finished work. You see, he made himself at home. His work was complete. The high priest could only come in once a year, and he came in with fear and trembling. Jesus walked in victorious having fully and completely atoned for all of the sin of man, he could confidently sit down by the Father and rest and preside 
over his children, over his elect, over all that he would uh, do on their part as an intercessor and high priest. Zechariah 6.13 says, Yes, you are to build a temple of the Lord, but it is he who shall build the ultimate temple of the Lord. And he shall bear the honor and majesty as the only begotten of the Father, and sit and rule on his throne. And he shall be a priest on his throne, and the council of peace shall be between the two offices, priest and king. Christ entered heaven for us. He went there as our representative to appear before God for us. That's in Hebrews 9.24. He is there as our great high priest, bearing our names upon his breastplate. As one writer put it, there the mighty victor sits crowned with glory and honor. He occupies the throne of universal dominion, of almighty power, of sovereign and illimitable grace. He is making all grace for you, for you. You know, we're in an election year, which uh, I'm never sure if it's a blessing or a curse. I suppose it's a mixed bag. And we all, hopefully, will vote for the party that best represents our Christian views and values and beliefs. And But it seems to me, with every political victory, at least in my experience, there's this initial sense of euphoria. You know what I'm talking about? And we go into the future with a bit more hope. I can remember when uh, President Reagan got elected again. People were singing, happy days are here, Reagan. You know, and people were driving up and down the street with the flags and doing all this kind of stuff. There's this sense of euphoria, and everybody has a sense of hope and security. But how different that is for us, isn't it? How unshakable should your sense of joy and hope be? How immovable should your confidence be? We should not be distracted by these things or lose hope because of these things, but we stand in confidence because of the finished work of Christ. He has been elected. He sits on the throne. He presides over all creation He is victorious, and he is our conqueror and has made us more than conquerors. We should go forward knowing and recognizing that our Savior, our Creator, the eternal lover of our souls that commands our destiny is sitting upon the throne. Verse 12 and 13. Whereas Christ, having offered the one sacrifice, the all-sufficient sacrifice of himself for sins for all time, sat down, signifying the completion of atonement for sin, at the right hand of God, the position of honor, waiting for that time onward until his enemies are made a footstool for his feet. In verse 13, we have the last New Testament reference of Psalm 110. The Son who now reigns as the Prince of Peace, has conquered every despot that would come against his elect. Did you hear what I said? He has conquered every despot that would come against his elect. That means you. 
He reigns with unlimited power over all, and particularly over that which concerns his beloved. Our Lord only allows that which works to mature and expand his new creation, to perfect them for and through eternity. Now in the same humble submission that he exercised on the earth as the Son of Man, who has been granted authority, every authority, he waits for the Father's timing to demonstrate his power and authority in the subjugation over every enemy. This will complete the salvation of his elect and will demonstrate his sovereignty for all creation. God has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man who he ordained. Acts seventeen thirty one. Because he has set a day when he will judge the inhabited world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed and destined for the task, and he has provided credible proof to everyone by raising him from the dead. The Redeemer, having perfected his great work, now waits for the fulfillment of the Father's promise. 1 Corinthians 15 verses 25 through 27 says, For Christ must reign as king until he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be abolished and put to an end is death. For he is, he, the Father, has put all things in subjection under Christ's feet. But when he says all things have been put in subjection under Christ, it is clear that he, the Father, who put all things in subjection to him, Christ, is accepted since the Father is not in subjection to his own Son. In the defeat of God's enemies, he demonstrates both his sovereignty, his authority, and his love for you. Do you ever think about that? Because the enemies that God is facing, while they wage war against him, God's concern is not that they will win. He's not battling them because he thinks that they will somehow usurp his throne from him. Do you think that? Why do you think God battles these enemies? What do you think is on God's mind when he sets to subdue and subjugate these enemies? Is he protecting himself? Who is he protecting? You. Just you. That is it. He is protecting you from the work of the enemy so that you might be able to embrace all that he has in his heart for you. And here's the thing. He's going to take away every obstacle, and he has taken away every obstacle that comes against who you are spiritually, that comes against who you are internally. That comes against all the truth that Christ put in place in you by the new birth. He comes against those that would wage war against that reality. But in the end, he is going to do away with, he's going to put an end to all that come against God and against his elect that would come against them openly. They will no longer be able to hurt you in the body. They will no longer be able to pull you away in your faith. They will no longer have any say or sway in you. Because you, the enemy, will be completely defeated. 
and you will be living in his victory. He will demonstrate his love for you as much as his wrath demonstrates his determination to fulfill the will of God. Spurgeon wrote, Oh, what a triumph that will be when wicked men, persecutors, and those who oppose Christ are all cast into the lake that burns. Every enemy of Christ and his church shall be overthrown, not reconciled. Overthrown. The scriptures doesn't say they'll be reconciled. It says they'll be overthrown. Well, that should be a nail in the coffin of the universalist. Think about that. Verse 14. For by the one offering he has perfected forever and completely cleansed those who are being sanctified, bringing each believer to spiritual completion and maturity. Every believer, the elect has been, past tense, perfected. The Greek word there, we've looked at it before, is teleao, and it means to bring to completion, to consummate forever, completely cleansed, who are sanctified. The original language doesn't, I don't know what you're reading, but the original language doesn't say being sanctified. Those who are being sanctified is not in the original language. Being's not there. They make it into being a progressive sanctification, and it is not a progressive sanctification. In the original language, it says, those who are, period, sanctified, present tense, are sanctified. This, again, is the evidence of the efficacy of the sacrifice of Christ and its acceptance by the Father. No more sacrifices needed. It is finished. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road, and Blanco Woods, just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.